the optimal life. So uh, how's life in Puerto Rico? Life's been good, man. Life's been great. Um, I like it here. You know, I'm watching people in, you know, my hometown, uh, Nashville, Tennessee. I'm watching, you know, when it's cold and it's 85 degrees here. <laughs> so I love, <laughs> love it here in Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah. So you're from Nashville. I love that city. What a great city. Mm -hmm. You're probably moving away from Nashville. Everyone's trying to flock in and move into Nashville. It's one of the fastest <laughs> yes. growing places. And you're going, all right, it's time for us to get out of here. Yes. Uh, now, I love I love it, though. I love to visit. And, you know, it's, it's a great city. It's always been that, uh, you know, down home, you know, people are very nice. I love it. And so, yeah, I definitely love going back. What's your favorite barbecue in Nashville? Actually, I don't eat barbecue anymore because I went vegan 16 years ago. Wow, so, sixteen years ago. Yeah, it's okay. been a it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I should have known that when I saw your Facebook is uh at Taste Sweat Vegan Trainer. So yes, sir. That would make, that would make sense. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I've been doing that for a while. Um I got my start uh I'd say maybe seventeen years ago, uh, you know, testing it out. And of course, I wanted to see it. Can I build muscle? Is there a way to do this? Is there a way to do that? And I really feel like I fi figured it out pretty much before anybody else did uh, online. And so that's how I got my start in, in the whole business space of online coaching and things like that. Mm. But don't you ever miss, I, you have to at some point, those, those times when you're sitting at a steakhouse and the guy next to you has got a nice porterhouse or a filet or a, a strip. Does that, does that ever look to you and go, oh, that looks like it would be pretty good? You know, that's a great question, but no. I, and, and here's the reason why. I, I personally think, it's it works for different people and, and some people it doesn't because there are legit people who just love meat. I was not one of those people. And what I mean by that is growing up, if my mom would make, I don't know, she'd make burgers and she said, hey, taste this. I said, I, 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 you have to put it on the patty or on the, the bun first. And then I need fries and ketchup and mustard. And what I realized is I was covering up the meat with all of these other things and mostly <laughs> veggies and bread. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, for me, I never really liked the taste of meat. So a steak, I would have to drown it in steak sauce. And I'm thinking, I don't really like meat. <laughs> wow. So now I really don't miss it. So what is your what's your go to? What, what's a typical uh, uh, diet of taste sweat look like? Uh, so majority of what I eat is a lot of fruits and vegetables. I do my best to you know keep it um, as clean as possible because nowadays there's a, a lot of options of replacement foods that are vegan now. So I wake up in the morning, make a nice big, uh, probably about sixty ounce uh, fruit veggie smoothie. Uh, maybe put a little vegan protein in it. Um, from there, you know. Maybe later in the day, I'll have uh, one of my favorite things is like uh, burritos. So I'll do rice and beans and avocado and salsa. And I'll make maybe a different little sauce to put on it. And so, yeah, I usually eat that pretty much daily. Wow. And then from there, you know, I close out the day with, you know, maybe another uh, smoothie or some type of other like fruit. Uh, you make like fruit dessert type of thing. So, you know, mm -hmm. apples with dates, things like that. So yeah, now, now is your wife vegan also? Mm hmm. She is. Yep. Okay. I was going to say, that's yes, going to be a tough thing to do, to be so disciplined when your partner may have a complete opposite view. Cause now your kitchen gets a little yes. cluttered. Yes. I've been there. I've been there. My ex-wife was not vegan. And so. Oh, hey, I listen, guys, you heard that. You heard it there. Ex. See, it didn't last. Yes. It didn't last. Absolutely. Nutrition first, yes. love second. That's yeah, right. I understand. <laughs>
Uh, anyways, so how, how do you end up going? Uh, you were a personal trainer and then uh, for a while, and obviously uh, you found that that was maybe fulfilling in a way, but financially not freeing. Um, how do you go from Nashville to Puerto Rico? Uh, it's a nice journey. So um, I was personal training for maybe eight years. So personal training for eight years. And I did pretty well, maybe around year six or seven. Um, I took my business online, still working with a few people in person, but online ended up, I mean, it 10x what I could do in person. And so I hit seven figures a year, probably on year seven of being in business because I took it online. And so I'm thinking, okay, I need something that I can grow this money because I wasn't spending it. I just, I'm, you know, savoring, you know, saving as much as I can because I don't want to be irresponsible because I see a lot of people go broke, right? So I had this one client, Charlie, uh, still in Nashville. So Charlie lives in Nashville. Charlie's a billionaire. And he goes, hey, what are you going to do with the money that you're making? He knows about the business. He knows that I'm, you know, I'm pretty much just saving it all. He goes, are you going to put that stuff to work? I said, well, here's the thing, Charlie. I said, if you are willing to teach me what you've done because he's in private equity. I said, uh, I definitely want to, I definitely want to get there. And so if you are willing to teach me, I'll train you for free. And so that was our agreement. And so we started working together and it didn't take long, maybe six months together uh, before I left. And from there, I started investing the money and got really good at it. Uh, so you start investing money. Uh, where, where do you go? I mean, so you say you just started investing money and got good at it. So take us through that. Where do you start? And then talk, walk, walk us through it because it's not like you were an overnight sensation. You probably had a lot of struggles right. at the beginning. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so for me, I think every person, including myself, we, we want that uh, immediate hit, right? We want instant gratification, microwave generation. You know how it goes. And so for me, I was no different. So Charlie, of course, told me, hey, stock, find a good company, go in, invest in it, make your money, right? And this is, of course, abbreviated version. And so I go in and I try to trade day one. And I'm thinking, hey, put some money in. Let's take it out tomorrow. If it goes up five bucks and I have 10 shares, I'll make some decent money. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I tried that and I feel horribly. Right. I feel horribly. And so, of course, you know, by this time, you don't, me personally, this is just something that I, you know, my opinion, you don't grow a, a really big business being financially illiterate. So luckily for me, I didn't put all of my money into those plays where I lost in the beginning. But I lost, I lost thousands of dollars, maybe tens of thousands of dollars first starting out. And I realized, hey, I need time. I need more time because I don't know what I'm doing. But ultimately, it seems like if I get in, it ends up going higher eventually. Maybe it takes six months. Maybe it takes a year. So I said, OK, let's start there. And so I started investing. And I got into a lot of good things like Chipotle. That was one of my first really good success uh, stories. So I got in Chipotle. CMG is the ticker symbol. And I, I probably paid, I don't know, $200 for a share uh, per share in Chipotle. And Chipotle is at $2,000 a share now. And so I did pretty well on Chipotle. And that let me know, okay, this is this is something that I should focus on. I like this. What so what, uh, what year was this, Tay? I'm sorry. What, what year was this? Yeah, so Chipotle, 
I, I probably bought those shares maybe in 2015. Okay. So this was the beginning of your journey was uh, almost mm -hmm. about a decade ago, really, almost mm -hmm. by the time you yes. from the time you started and giving yourself those six to 12 months to get your feet wet, to stumble mm -hmm. a few times, learn the ins, the outs, the tips, the tricks, when to hold, maybe when to fold, all those mm -hmm. kind of things. Uh, it took you a good you said a good six to 12 months. So, OK, 2015 mm -hmm. is Chipotle. Um but you started then getting into, I would assume, okay, you're buying stocks and then you're really just holding and, and waiting and weathering the storm. Um, when do you start then evolving? Because that probably at some point goes, okay, I, I understand the markets now. When do you start doing the trading stuff? Yeah. So right around that 2015 area, maybe 2016, early 2016, I went to New York. Um, I had a coach. So I had a business coach and in vegan trainer world, he helped me build that. He was my business coach behind that operation. And so I was one of his success stories. So he goes, hey, I'm holding a conference and I want you to come up and speak about the, your success. So I go, hey, fine. So I come up to New York, you know, go up to New York. And in New York, one of his success students, uh, we're on the stage together and I'm thinking, hey, are you in stocks or excuse me, are you in, you know, personal training, nutrition? He goes, no, I trade stocks. I said, oh, so you have a business where you teach people how to trade? He says, yes. And so from that point, I get even more intrigued because now I'm thinking, hey, I've already been, you know, investing, which is more of a longer term hold. But if you're trading, I'd like to know more. So this guy's name is David Kane. And so David, he says, hey, if you want to, you know, learn, I'll teach you. Here's, you know, here's the price. And so I go and I learn. And so he's teaching, literally trading in and out of the market day by day by day. And so his thing was, of course, learning stock charts. And so I go over and I learn stock charts from David. And that's what propels me into more of a trader role. And so I started getting better and better as I studied more, as I learned more uh, from, you know, even other coaches. And that's what, you know, you see today. How do you define day trader? What does that mean exactly? Yeah, absolutely. So day trading would be entering a stock. So let's say we buy Apple today and we're getting out of Apple today. And so technically that's what you would like to see a day trader do. A swing trader will be someone maybe buys today, holds it for a couple days, a couple of weeks, and maybe even a couple of months, and then they get out. Okay. And so those are your differences. So what are the things that David taught you and that now you're helping your clients when, when you're studying a chart at a high level? Obviously, it fluctuates. But what are some mm -hmm. low-hanging fruit things that people should be looking for in a, in a chart? Absolutely. So first thing I always teach people is to understand the conversation. What is the conversation in the market or on the chart? And what we like to see is that candlesticks on the chart. This is a, It usually starts green and red. Some people change the colors of these candlesticks, but on the charts, you have green candlesticks, you have red candlesticks. And every candlestick is telling you, uh, is giving you a conversation, right? Buyers and sellers. And so what I like to see is what conversation are we having? Are the buyers winning or are the sellers winning? Because that lets me know, hey, I know who to ride with. I know what team to jump on. So if the buyers are winning, I'm going to go with the buyer. So that's the number one thing I teach my people is learn how to identify who's winning the fight in the current market condition. And, and let me just stop you here. Okay. So, mm -hmm. uh, so you're looking at it from a candlestick. So if I'm following you, if the 
bars on the chart are dipping down, that means the price is going down, mm -hmm. which means that the sellers are winning at that moment. Is that yeah, correct? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then Absolutely. as the candlestick goes back up, that means that the price of the share is going up. Mm -hmm. And then you're looking at that from a standpoint that, that the buyers are winning? No. So with charting, you're going to have different time frames. So it, of course, it depends on what time frame we're looking on because you can have buyers taking the market up on the five minute chart. But if you go to the hourly or the daily, we're still going down. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's about knowing your trend, your direction. So that would be my next thing I teach is to find the trend. So are the buyers or the sellers winning? If the sellers are winning now, what is the trend that the sellers are in? Right. And so now we can play with the trend because what can happen is the buyers can take us up to the top of the downtrend. That's the entry point to take us lower. Right. And so this is usually how I play the game. Right. So you're saying that, OK, let, let's run this example that you were just saying. A stock is at ten dollars a share and you see it going down and down to. It's going different, fluctuating throughout the day, 10, 975, 985, whatever. But then you find you're trying to then your, your sweet spot of getting in in that example, Tay, let's say after about four hours of trading and it's going back and forth between 950 and $10. There's a point where you say, okay, this is our time to get in. What would that point be for you? Yeah. So let's say we're in a downtrend. Usually what we do is we like to connect the dots is what I say. Connect the dots, meaning... If we're making what we call lower highs, so let's say stock was at 10, it falls to nine, it comes back to 950, it falls to 850, it comes back to $9, it falls to 750. Well, that trend line connecting 10, 950, eight, right? That line will be what we call resistance. And so there's a clear resistance holding the stock price down. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanna do is I wanna find a place close to that resistance area to take a short, meaning we're going to bet against the market and we want to try to take it lower. And so when it comes back to that resistance line, that's an easy spot to get in, right? And this is very beginner stuff, but sure. it's an easy place to get in and potentially take it to a lower target. And then, and then, okay. And what, what do you mean when you say take it to a lower target? You're basically saying you're, you're really, you're hoping that it goes lower at that point, correct? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of communications that you can get. So for example, there's a, Head and shoulders patterns is one of my favorite patterns. And you could find a head and shoulders pattern that has been confirmed, meaning if you, you have a neckline on a head and shoulders. So it gives you two shoulders and a head and a neckline. When the neckline is broken, that head and shoulder will give you a 1.0 or excuse me, a 2.0 target. And so usually, let's say, I know it's getting a little complicated now, but let's say we were at $10 and a head and shoulders creates from 10 to eight, right? right? And then we break below the head and shoulder. Well, you could flip that head and shoulder on its, you know, basically a 2.0 of itself. And you go down and that gives you a clear target at $6. Okay. And so for me, I'd like to catch it at eight and take you to six, right? Because that's a $2 spread in which I get to gain in profit per share. Right. And, then and that's just one, of course. And that's just one technique of mm -hmm. probably 
dozens and dozens and dozens of different types of charts, correct? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So what exactly are you guys doing then? I mean, people, you've got the secure the bag community mm -hmm. and people sign up with you and they say, hey, I want to learn how to trade. I want Tay and his team's expertise to talk us through what, what do people get? What, what, are the, what are they exposed to? What kind of tips, tricks and techniques are you helping them along with? Absolutely. Um, so what I like to do is kind of what we're explaining now. I like to show them live because let's let's be honest. There are a lot of charlatans, scammers, liars in the marketplace. And so the number one thing that I always tell people is, hey, you can't fake what you know live. You, you can't fake it. And so I go into a Zoom pretty much like we are now. I share my screen. I share the charts. You see my face. You can see all of my emotions, whatever I'm feeling at the moment. And I say, hey, Here's what we're doing. We're going to look at the S&P 500 and I literally show exactly where I'm where I'm getting in. Why am I getting in? I explain it. I teach it because the best way to learn this stuff is to learn in real time. And so I teach what it is I'm doing, why I'm doing it, how much I'm buying, how much I'm looking to make. You know, and so I do that overall. And now currently I'm in a, it's a global competition. It's called the Robbins uh, World Trading Cup. And so this is a global competition. There are probably thousands of traders here. And so right now, my goal is to win that while I'm live. So literally when I take my trades, I'm doing them live. And so, so far we've done well. We've done, I've uh, made it to the top five uh, in the competition. And so each day you'll see that overall five change. So my goal is to change my way up to that number one spot. So that's what we're doing right now. And what do you win? <laughs> Let's say you take the gold. What, what, what comes with that? Honestly, it's bragging rights. And, you <laughs> it's know, just notoriety. It's, it's just saying, hey, man, I'm the best. I'm the best at what I That's do. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so, you know, I, I want to do that for the people who are looking for someone who knows what they're doing. I want to have a third party audited person or audited, you know, company say, hey, this guy has done this type of performance. He is who he say he is. So that's why I'm doing it. Most people that listen and that want to get into this stuff, they want to, they, they yearn for it. They just don't have the means to do it. They see coaching programs requiring 10, 15, 25,000 or even more to get in. Hey, work with me, this and that. How do you address those folks? Uh, are, there, are there people that can come into your program that might not have those means? Absolutely. And, and that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because honestly, I believe this should be for everyone who, who has the, the guts and the stomach to, you know, be able to trade. But for me, I try to cover all bases. And so what I like to do is I teach for free on Sundays. Every Sunday, there's going to be a free class. And the way you get into that free class is literally you can come to my, you know, go to my Instagram at Taysweat, T-A-Y-S-W-E-A-T. You can send me a DM or you can message me uh, via text. My number's on my page. And you can just say, I want in. And literally, you come on over every Sunday, I'm going to give out some type of uh, information or, or class structure on what we see or what we're looking for on charts every Sunday. Then on Thursdays, because I live trade pretty much every day that the market's open. And so on Thursdays, I let those same group of free people into the live trading class, uh, or live trading room, excuse me, on Thursday. So I do my best to help every person, every level, you know, whether it's free or to the next level, I do my best to help everybody. So, yeah, that's definitely something I do. What, what's the cost to get into your program? Uh, or are there different levels? And if so, what does that look like? 
Uh, come watch me live trade right now. All I'm all I have is that I want to have the live trade, and there's of course some other educational stuff in there. Probably about thirty hours of educational content that you need to go in and watch so that you can be, you know, well uh, understanding of what I'm teaching. But especially in the live because it moves fast. But um, it's two fifty a month. I try not to go too crazy with the fifteen thousand dollar this and that. So two fifty a month, and my goal. What I try to do is I say, listen, whatever you pay to be here, my goal is to make or help you make way more than that. And so try to make it a you know, no-brainer. Okay, so the $250 a month is going to then, that's all it takes, $250 a month. You want to get in, you want to have access. They're getting access to you. Is that is that fair to say? They're getting access yes, to one of the best traders. He's a, he's a, in the top five. You heard him say it on the uh, Robin, whatever that was called. Uh, this is not a Robin, Robin Hood competition, but Robin something. <laughs> Robin's um, Cup. Mm -hmm. Okay, Robin's Cup. What do you think about Robinhood? Do you use that app? So I actually have a Robinhood account, yes, because I want to make things as easy as possible so I can show and teach using that because it's very easy. Robinhood is not, it's not one of those uh, professional platforms. So right. no, I wouldn't use it with, you know, millions of dollars in it. But I've put, you know, 20, 30K over there just to teach and say, hey, here's, you know, here's a platform that literally you download it, you connect the bank. And from there, you send a little money over from your bank, and it's a really easy platform to navigate. What else do you use for some of your bigger trading efforts? Uh, bigger trading, depending on what I'm doing. So I also trade futures, crypto. So once you learn how to read charts, you can trade pretty much anything. And so for my crypto and any um, more so, let's just say futures, I have a different platform. I like Tradeovate. It's a beautiful platform, and it ties or connects in with um, trading view, which is the charting platform that you want to go on and do all your charting. So I like that it can connect and you can trade on the screen on trading view using trade of eight. So there's an API connection. to it. How do you spell that trade of eight? Is that what you said? Tra mm -hmm. Trade of eight. So T R A D. I want to say there's no E. So O V A T E. Trade of eight. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I also wanted to ask you about, because you mentioned you're not just trading stocks. I mean, you're trading real estate and cars, too, huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> how yes, does sir. that Trade uh, it look at look <laughs> at his Instagram, guys? Trader of equities, real estate and cars. Talk to us about that. How does that work? Sir. So what you notice in the market, and maybe it's just me and a few people like me. But what we notice in the market is that there are things that happen as we get swings in the market. Right? There's going to be some type of what some people may call um, margin in between, right? And so luxury markets, so luxury cars, uh, real estate, um, luxury watches. I've been able to enter and exit some luxury watches for profit. When we have swings in the market, meaning there's a lot of, let's say, quantitative easing, where they're printing money, there's a bunch of money in the system, right? There's going to be a lot of buyers, a lot of buyers of you know things that you know Lamborghinis, uh, watches, things like that. And so what I noticed is that right before that quantitative easing starts, because there's a chart that you can check that actually allows you to see you know the interest. I like to watch the U.S. Treasury, the ten-year Treasury. And so as I watch the fluctuations of that, I can tell you where it's going based on the chart. And so if they're about to start printing money, you want to buy. Me personally, I want to buy luxury items. I want to buy real estate because people, as they get more money, they're going to spend it. <laughs> they're going to spend their money. 
And so if I know there's a large amount of quantitative easing coming, I want to be in luxury goods because I can offload them at a premium. And so I try to gain it before the market swings, you know, ticks up. And then once it ticks up, I exit and we watch the market fall back. And sometimes I even buy it back at the bottom. So, talk us through so, that. Talk us through a real life example. I'm, I'm uh, fascinated by the cars thing. Talk, hmm? talk us through Absolutely. a real life example. Where do you go? Something that you've done that's a success story with a, with a car recently. What have you done? Mm -hmm. So um, my Lamborghini, for example. So I bought that thing. Literally, when I bought it, I said, this is going to be a trade. I love that car. Don't get me wrong. But I'm, I'm never as a trader. You can't be emotionally tied to anything. So my Lamborghini SVJ is a 2021 Roadster. And so at the time this car came out, it was maybe 650 700,000. And so I'm thinking, hey, this could be a good trade. Uh, I see quantitative easements coming. I think because this is a finite, it's, it's a very uh, collectible uh, type of car because they own, I think they only made 800 of them. Right. You, right. You, need, you need to go after something that has limited inventory, right? Absolutely. So your Rolex watches, your, your higher end Lamborghinis, because the lower end Lamborghinis may not appreciate as much. Okay. So you want to go after something that's more higher end, that's more finite, that's more uh, valuable as well. So mm -hmm. you want to go to those levels. So, you know, your Daytona Rolex watches, your, um, like I said, the Lamborghini SVJ, the Ferrari uh, SF90. These are higher end cars that they didn't make a lot of them or they're higher end things that they didn't make a lot of. And that as money pours into the market, they will go up in value because more people will want them, but there won't be any more made. Right. And so the Lamborghini, uh, I bought it. Like I said, this was maybe February 21. I bought it. Had the, fun the, with the whole country it. was still in a meltdown, by the way, folks. Uh, That's right. <laughs> Tay was taking, Tay was yes. taking advantage. Tay was taking advantage of, of Absolutely. Uh, uh, his position, apparently, because a lot of people mm -hmm. at that time were, were in a complete meltdown. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that because this is a great teaching lesson. So because... What we see in the market, and it doesn't happen all the time, but majority of the time what we see is when the company or the company country goes into a meltdown, COVID, whatever it may be, when the country goes into a meltdown, what we're going to see is the Fed steps in and wants to build it out. Let's help the country. A lot of jobs were lost. Hey, we need to, we need to pour money into the economy so we can bring these jobs back. So what we normally see is that quantitative easing is what causes a bunch of money to pour into the system. So when there's a meltdown, that's one of the best times to buy. Uh, to buy, and this is what you'll hear people like Robert Kiyosaki and other people say: "I want to buy when there's blood in the streets." That's that's what we mean by that, right? Yes. So you okay? So, so so early twenty one, you buy this mm -hmm. Lamborghini for six fifty ish, and then and then go, okay, where does it go from there? And so uh, so we drive it, we have fun. You know, I have fun with it, and I'd say. Maybe mid to late 21, the price skyrockets. It goes to 900K. And so within a year, you have $200,000 of appreciation, maybe, maybe a little bit more. And so maybe early 22 is probably the best time to get out. That's right before the market crashed. I sold it a little too late. I got out maybe, I'd say March, April 22. Is when I sold, and gotcha. yeah, I got out. Got out for maybe about right at nine, nine hundred. 
Now, uh, what are you using to track the value of that car over the course of the year of 2021? Uh, I'm honestly just looking at just open markets. So I go, you know, you can do a quick Google search for, you know, car gurus or something and just see what, you know, what the normal guys selling for, <laughs> you know, selling their car for. And yeah, literally you see what the market like auto is. Auto trader you know, or any of these sites. Auto trader. Yeah. 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 Car gurus, auto trader. Um, you can't do this with CarMax because they don't have Lamborghinis, but you can just look at, you know, certain um, higher end. So for me, at the time, I had a place in Miami as well. And so I would track and see what um, Prestige, which is a Lamborghini dealership in Miami, I would see what they had and what they were selling their, you know, inventory for. And that that helped me to see, OK, yeah, we have some we have some money here that we can, you know, make. So, yeah, that's exactly how I do. So your brain is probably so hardwired at this point that whenever you're buying something that's remotely nice, you may be looking at it like, Hey, we're, we're buying this for, this is on lease right now because we're not keeping this for a very long time. We're going to trade this and we're going to trade it up. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're doing that with, yeah. with luxury goods, watches, cars. Yeah. What, what, how, do you, how do you trade? How do you trade real estate today? So with real estate, I'm more of a buy and hold with real estate nowadays um, because I've, I've gotten opportunity to meet a few buy and hold commercial guys. So, for example, uh, Cody, uh, the clever investor, that's just a good, you know, good guy. And um, I'm noticing, you know, I'm listening to my real estate guys. I'm not a real estate guy. I'm just getting into it. And so I'm listening to Cody and he goes, hey, hold what you're buying. And so the, he told me this after the last condo I sold. I had a condo here in Puerto Rico, uh, the Bahia Beach condos we had. And so I paid maybe right around 4.1 million for this condo on the beach, beachfront, beautiful, maybe 4,000 square feet. Uh, it's, it's a gorgeous condo. And market goes up and I'm watching, of course. And same, I was a little late because I should have sold right before interest rates ticked to the point that they did. But I was able to get out of that $4.1 million condo for $5.3 million. And so it's it's just these cases that I use to say, hey, it's possible to play those margins and get in early, get out, you know, right before it's too late. And yeah. so that was another uh, example of like real estate example for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, that's about 25%. That's kind of what I looked at. I just looked at my home recently, and I can't mm -hmm. believe I bought the home five, six years ago. And all of a sudden, the values today, again, take it with a grain of salt, but the Zestimate value of it today is at least 25% higher than it was five years ago. Well, well, how does that happen? Absolutely. It's the same. Honestly, it's supply and demand, yeah. um, especially here on the island. So that's another thing. Here on the island, we have what's called Act 60. Act 60 is a tax incentive program for people who are maybe investors, business owners, things like that. And so if you move here and you follow all the Act 60 rules, you know, talk to your CPA, <laughs> but if you follow all the rules, there's a 0% capital gains tax rate here. Wow. And there's 4% corporate tax rate here. That's a good thing. So is, is that, is that, was that your incentive <laughs> to get over yes. there? It, it was. Yes. It was one, one of the senses. I've always wanted to live in Puerto Rico since I was younger, but it was definitely helpful to be here and have that incentive. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> because you're talking so, about a 0% uh, capital gains versus 25%. 25. In the mm -hmm. US. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. 
So it's a big difference. So yeah, it's been great. It's been great here. Um, and so what we saw with, with that incentive or that program, uh, the popularity of it went through the roof. I'd say maybe in 2020, 21, somewhere around there. So everyone's thinking, hey, I got to get down there and save some money. And so I saw an opportunity. I saw a big opportunity. And I said, hey, originally I bought it, you know, to keep it even longer. Because where, where I am, if you, if you bought a beachfront condo 10 years ago, it 10x, <laughs> 10x in value. So I thought, hey, I'll be here. I'll live here. I love it here. I'll enjoy the condo. It'll be great. But you have to watch the market as it fluctuates. And sometimes long term may not be the move. <laughs> so for me, I say, OK, uh, first of all, they took too long to build it because they build their condos here, especially the beachfront condos. They're pretty much hurricane proof. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so it takes longer to build, number one. But number two, because it takes so long to build, as demand for housing goes up because so many applicants are coming in for Act 60, that demand for housing goes up, but they can't make enough houses quick enough, right, to house all of these people coming in. And so, of course, there are places to live, but these are wealthy people coming in to save, you know, <laughs> save money, 0% capital gains. These are wealthy people. And so they don't want to just stay anywhere. They want some of the nicest places. And so because there weren't a lot of nice places, you know, beachfront, things like that already built, we had an edge in the market because we had already bought, we, had, we were ready. And so that's one of the reasons we were able to, you know, play that game. It all goes back to economics 101, supply and demand. Yes, sir. <laughs> the supply and demand rule, it never fails, man. Mm -hmm. It never, man. ever fails. Uh, we're getting close to finishing up. Um, but I do want to mention, of course, with all of the excitement and success and the the, the swings and being able to cash out for 1x, 2x, uh, or 2x, 5x, 10x your money uh, in certain situations, there are the downsides. There are the slides. There are the, the slopes and the risk management. Talk to us about how important it is to still manage risk properly. It's very important. And I'm glad you asked this because... I try not to be the everything's glorious over here because you have your down, you know, your downsides. And so I remember my one of my biggest losses was a $1.1 million loss mm. on Google. Uh, this was maybe four years ago, three, four years ago. And so I'm looking at the chart. The chart's telling me everything I need to see. And I see it needs to go down. So I think, hey, we're gonna put big, we're gonna swing big at this one. So like, hey, here's a million bucks. Take me to my target. If it hits the target, I should forex my money. Well, with options, because I also trade stock options. And so with options, you have a defined time that you have to hit the target before you lose everything, right? And so I gave myself six, seven months thinking, hey, there should be a crash coming. I should be fine. Let's, let's go. And so I get six months out, but I was six months early. <laughs> And so the market just, you know, Google or Alphabet is the, the name of the actual company, but Google just goes against me pretty much for three of the six months. And by the time the crash comes, my expiration date is near. Mm -hmm. And so 
it just literally it just bled me out and I went from 1.1 million down to and so one of the biggest things I tell people is risk management I should have personally it it was an arrogant thing and that's probably going to be the biggest thing for people as they reach success in investing period whether it's real estate stocks you're going to get to a point where you get really good you get so good you get arrogant Mm. and you think you can't lose (laughs) <laughs> and that was an issue. I, I ignored the risk management side of things because I said, no, it's going to hit. So, no, you, you're going to have to take my money. And the market took my money. Wow. <laughs> so looking, so yeah. back, well, looking back, what would you have done? If there was one different move you could have made in those six, seven months, what would you have done differently? Yeah, absolutely. Number one, one of the things I teach, we, we talk about uh, dollar cost averaging or accumulating. This is, this is stock trading 101. I ignored that because I got arrogant, right? I knew that, right? But number one, you should never put a large amount of money into an investment at one spot, especially when you're dealing with stocks. You know, it can easely go higher or lower depending on where you're getting in. And so what we like to do is we like to find defined levels on the chart and they're going to give us entry points. So personally, I would have taken the million, 1.1 million, and I would have split it into maybe five different entry points. Mm. And so I would have given myself time as it moved up. Risk mitigation, risk mitigation. There you go. Right. And so that's the the biggest lesson I had is don't get arrogant. Stick to the the fundamentals. Mm. Right. Because that's what saves your butt. And watch out for your risk. Beautiful stuff. Beautiful. Hey, listen, it could have probably been worse. You could have put money into Ask Jeeves. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. At least you were going with Google. (laughs) Hey, uh, fascinating stuff. Taste Sweat, Secure the Bag, uh, online community. We've linked you up in the show notes at Taste Sweat on Instagram and uh, Taste Sweat, Vegan Trainer on Facebook. Um, Final thoughts, uh, people that want to, that are intrigued, that want to learn more, uh, you know, that are Maybe they're hesitant. What what do you, what's your advice for somebody that's just getting started that's that wants to take a, a leap of faith? So what I would say is find someone who is successfully doing whatever it is you want to do. So for in this case, it's stock trading. Find someone who's successful at it. Find out. You got to do your homework. Find out are they actually successful at it? Right. And this is one of my reasons for doing this competition. It's public, everyone can see it, and it's third-party audited, you know. And so find someone who's doing something like that. And then from there, track whatever they're doing, be there. If they write a book, go get the book. Books are usually, you know, 10, 15 bucks, 20 bucks. Go get the book. If they're doing a live, make sure you show up to the lives. The lives are usually free. And make sure you just track and move from there. What you'll notice is as you spend time, I always tell my students, I say, stock trading is like your favorite song. You didn't know how you didn't know the lyrics to your favorite song when you first heard it. Mm. It's the repetition that gets you to stick and understand the song. And it's no different with stocks. So find that, you know, find that person and follow. Awesome stuff, man. Uh, Hey, taste sweat. Great connecting with you and uh, continued success. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me.